Today on Context, tragedy in Ethiopia. 18 Canadians die in a plane crash that killed 157 people. It's important for us to get to the bottom of it. We have the black boxes. And does prayer and religion have a role in public life beyond the tragic? A Senate hearing underway on tax benefits for religion in Canada probes the worth of religion to our nation. We hear from political leaders today on the value of prayer. I, I get people, they stop me all the time and uh, they tell me that they're praying for me and I always thank them for that. We can literally say thousands have come through the National House of Prayer. And we'll examine the challenge of ethics in government. There was an erosion of trust between my office and specifically my former principal secretary and the former Minister of Justice. $30,000 worth of Canadian prostitutes given to Muammar Gaddafi's son. This is the so-called victimless crime that our woke feminist prime minister is moving mountains wow. to cover up. And is there a role for faith communities to pray for our political leaders? And is that worth a tax benefit? Plus, a special announcement about our Molly Thomas at the end of today's program on Content. Tragedy strikes moments after Ethiopian Airlines flight took off from Addis Ababa en route to Nairobi. Pastor Tarifa Sereka from Ethiopian Evangelical Church of Edmonton is mourning the huge loss in their community. He joins me now from Edmonton. Uh, Pastor Sariki, what impact does this crash have on your community? It's a, a, a very huge impact. It really created a, a lot of shocks. Uh, you know, as you know, Ethiopian Airlines is a very, you know, iconic uh, uh, company in Ethiopia. You know, uh, it's just more than uh, a loss of a human life. Uh, for example, you know, if something happened to Parliament here in Ottawa, you know, people could, uh, you know, if people die, you know, that that one loss. At the same time, it's a very symbolic uh, place, so the the feeling uh, gets deeper. So I think. It really has created a lot of uh, shock and uh, mm -hmm. grief uh, among our community. Yeah. So many of the Canadian victims are humanitarian workers, and so many were seeing their family. It's kind of a mix of people very connected to caring for the world and caring for their families. Yeah, I, I believe it is very huge. You know, sometimes these people uh, are traveling there, you know, to do uh, good to the world. And if this thing happens, you know, it, it creates uh, questions, you know, sometimes when these things, these kind of things happen. You know, people ask, you know, the why question, and it's not e very easy to answer. And know, how do you that. answer that as a pastor? What do you do with that giant question of why? Why did this happen? I, I don't think we could uh, we could answer you know usually uh, in times of you know grief uh, and great tragedy I think uh, people really appreciate our presence you know more than our words but uh, the temptation is you know to explain you know especially as Christians you know we we tend you know to give uh, you know scriptures verses you know we, we tend to teach to preach 
uh, I find it, you know, that actually very problematic and people don't appreciate that. But, you know, our presence uh, and also if we can, uh, you know, grieve with them, weep with them, uh, the Bible, you know, clearly tells us, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and also weep with those who, who weep. I think that, you know, they, they people appreciate more than, you know, our our explanation. You know, usually I don't I don't pretend, you know, I have an answer. Especially, you know, with this kind of uh, tragedy, you know, what can you say? Uh, only God knows, you know, there might be some explanation, you know, from a technical point of view, but uh, doesn't mean nothing, you know, for people who lost uh, their loved ones. But our presence and, uh, you know, weeping with them and you know, caring for them, I think goes a long way, you know, to bring healing. All right, Pastor Tarifa Sarika, in Edmonton, a community of 500 Ethiopians and Eritreans in, in your community of care there. Thank you for that reminder to weep with those who weep. And we will continue praying for those families affected. Thank you. The federal government has been under fire for over a month now with the SNC-Lavalin controversy. And while the Liberal Party is starting to feel it in the polls, the Prime Minister's popularity has taken the greatest hit, Molly. Mm -hmm. That plays right into the hands, really, of the opposition who want to capitalize on this story. I, I understand you had a chance to talk to Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, and he was very clear that he wants the Prime Minister to resign. Yes, that's true, Molly. Despite Jody Wilson-Raybould making it clear that the Prime Minister's office acted inappropriately, not illegally. Okay, let's take a look at that interview. This has been about jobs. Uh, that's been the defense that the Liberal government has said is we've got to fight hard for these jobs. We've seen tens of thousands of jobs lost in Alberta. Would a Conservative government care as passionately about jobs between Quebec and Ontario as what we see the Prime Minister's office fighting for. Conservatives are always concerned about jobs. We want to protect jobs and we want to fight for those jobs here in Canada, but we have to do so respecting the independence of our judicial system and uphold the fundamental principle about the rule of law that all Canadians are treated equally. There have been court decisions that have had a negative impact on jobs in Western Canada and Conservatives have proposed solutions to help protect those jobs or bring those jobs back. Never once suggesting that we should ignore a decision of a court or that we should pick up the phone and influence the lawyers arguing the case or the prosecutors arguing the case or the judges deciding on the case. What's not making the headline quite so much is that this really is about bribery and about a Libyan country, dictatorship, all kinds of banana republic type activities is going to be coming out in the trial. Do you think ethics are under erosion in Canada, in Canadian business life? Well, certainly in this case, the actions of this particular company over the past few years has shown that the, that is an issue, that that is a problem. They stand accused, and ultimately a court will determine the, the level of culpability, but they stand accused of bribing officials in Libya, defrauding the Libyan government. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a very serious issue. As Canadians, we should expect the highest standards, not just from our politicians, but from ourselves and from our companies. And when companies go around the world bidding on contracts, they are in a way representing our country. And so I think it's right to hold them accountable for their actions in other countries. And when we talk about what goes on in countries that don't have the same principles of the rule of law that we do, it's even more important that when those Canadian companies are held responsible, that we don't have politicians interfering. There is no justification to politically interfere, to try to pervert the course of justice because a company has 
powerful friends and can put pressure on politicians. Imagine what road that would take us to if we had a system in Canada where the companies could start to lean on politicians and, and, and bully politicians, pressure politicians, and that those politicians would cave to that pressure and start calling prosecutors, start interfering in a criminal court proceeding. That's a very dark and dangerous path. This has caused quite a kerfuffle in um, faith movements in Canada, seeing this kind of questioning going on under our government. And there's been an increase in prayer activity in a very organized way in provinces like Alberta, where there's a real crisis over alienation, uh, moving right across different bodies. Do you think there's a role for the faith community to be praying for political leaders? Well, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's, it's always uh, helpful for people to, to pray and to, to not only find comfort in their faith, but to uh, practice it. And to uh, I, I get people, uh, they stop me all the time and uh, they tell me that they're praying for me. And I always thank them for that. And I also ask them to pray for the rest of my family who uh, I'm away from a lot. Veteran liberals don't see the SNC affair quite like the opposition. One MP believes there is truth to both sides and we need to rethink how we're reacting to this issue. Here's Molly Thomas with the Honourable John McKay, Liberal MP for Scarborough Guildwood. So we've heard from Jody Wilson-Raybould, we've also heard from Gerald Butts, two totally different stories. Is this a PR problem or is this a real problem? I don't think it's a PR problem. If there's an accident out in the street and you and I see the same accident, we've probably got a different interpretation of what happened. Jody Wilson-Raybould wants to speak her truth and presumably Mr. Butts wants to speak his truth. The issue is that um, there's clearly different interpretation of, of the series of events between September and January. So Jane Philpott has said there's a problem here. She has resigned. Jody, of course, has resigned. We have another Toronto female Liberal MP saying she won't run again. Is the Trudeau brand of female empowerment broken? I do think that it has had a political hit on his brand, and um, uh, and I think that's uh, that's kind of regrettable because I, you know, I believe him that he believes uh, that he has moved the, if you will, the gender file, the feminist file forward over the course of his prime ministership, like no other prime minister. McLean's magazine had quite the cover, a massive picture of Trudeau and, and the word imposter on the front. Is that a fair characterization? No, it's nonsense. This is a deep and sincere disagreement between and among um, some very decent people who in their own heart of hearts um, believe that what they did was the correct thing to do. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see the prime minister as a imposter. If, if anything, it's an abundance of sincerity. John, the election is seven months away. Will the SNC affair affect whether you decide to run or not? I think it causes everyone, uh, whether you're a rookie politician or a veteran politician, to look at mistakes, um, look at um, conflicts of values. I've had to reflect on it. Um, where I am right now is that I have confidence in the Prime Minister. Um, I'm satisfied that he is recognizing uh, that he might have put uh, two ministers in a pretty awkward situation. 
uh, probably didn't anticipate that it would expand to the point that it's expanded. Um, but if ever you had to learn a lesson about the rule of law, this is a major lesson about the rule of law. So John, what needs to change then? What needs to change so that this same scenario with two sides of the story doesn't happen again? Well, I think there's real merit in separating the positions of Minister of Justice and Attorney General. Um, the Chief uh, Administrative Officer of the Laws of Government of Canada needs to be um, an independent person free from political interference. I don't think there's much argument about that. That's kind of the, the long-term solution. Um, the shorter-term solution is that you let the uh, system work the way it's supposed to work. And at this point, the Attorney General has said there's no deferred prosecution agreement for um, this particular situation, uh, notwithstanding the um, court case on Friday where um, SNCA lost. Um, so in, at this point, the prosecution's going forward in a normal manner. I think Canadians can take some comfort in the fact that the system worked. What does the controversy on the Hill mean for Canadians? Conservative MP Michelle Rempel of Calgary Nose Hill, Alberta joins us now. Michelle, Jody Wilson-Raybould said in her testimony that the pressure she experienced as Attorney General and Justice Minister was not illegal, but inappropriate. What does appropriate and inappropriate pressure look like? It's imperative that the Canadian judiciary, the judicial system, remains arm's length and free from political interference. This is why the office, the, uh, the, the public prosecutor's office, was actually set up uh, under Steve, the former Stephen Harper government to prevent that type of interference. Um, you know, with regard to what was appropriate, what wasn't, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould presented some very, very compelling evidence that showed that she was essentially harassed over a period of time after her decision to not pursue the uh, deferred prosecution agreement for SNC-Lavalin was made. Now we're even seeing international organizations such as the OECD say that they are concerned about the potential political interference in this situation. And, and frankly, I, I just, you know, partisanship aside, I'm very concerned about the fact that this could have happened, this potential obstruction of justice, and we certainly need to get to the bottom of it. You allege that SNC-Lavalin paid $30,000 for prostitutes for Gaddafi's son in order to secure contracts. Can you please unpack this claim? Right now, the company stands accused of bribing the former uh, Libyan dictatorship to the tune of tens of millions of dollars in order to get contracts. Now, it was reported uh, last week, I believe, that part of this bribery included paying for prostitutes for Muammar Gaddafi's son here in Canada. I mean, the Prime Minister is trying to paint this out to be a victimless crime, but that is not the case here. Uh, these allegations uh, suggest that Canada is okay with companies that engage in bribery of dictatorships in order to get contracts. That's not how Canada does business. What do you want to see happen out of this SNC-Lavalin scandal? I believe that uh, Justin Trudeau has crossed the line. The unfortunate part of the situation right now, however, is that Justin Trudeau put out uh, his former principal secretary, Gerald Butts, as well as the supposedly independent head of the public service, Michael Wernick, to say what happened after Josie Wilson-Raybould resigned from cabinet. Unfortunately, she is on 
essentially a gag order from Justin Trudeau, uh, she needs to be allowed to speak to their testimony. Right now, they're telling Canadians what happened on her behalf, and I don't think that's appropriate for a number of reasons, which is why we're holding a committee meeting this week to force the Liberals to vote to bring Jody Wilson-Raybould back to the committee so that her story can be told. And what does the way forward look like for the Conservatives ahead of the October election? You know, while the Prime Minister is embroiled in all of this, there are people in my community that are out of work. We have no, we're not even close to any sort of resolution on the question of how uh, we are getting a pipeline built here in Canada. We are going into a federal budget where we're, you know, projecting a massive sort of huge deficit to be put in place and for what? Taxes are increasing. Canada is becoming uncompetitive as it compares to the United States in terms of being a jurisdiction where jobs can be created. We're losing talent. Uh, we have a serious tariff situation with the United States. We have Canadians imprisoned in China. There are so many issues that Justin Trudeau and his government needs to be focusing on that at this point in time, because they've been so mired in controversy, and it's not just this, it's the uh, the Mark Norman case, it's, it's uh, you know, Aga Khan Island, it's been thing after thing after thing. We need a government that is going to put Canada first and Canadians first again, and that's where our party is going to be focused. Calgary Nose Hill, Alberta Conservative MP Michelle Rempel, thank you for joining us. Still ahead, Rob Parker walked from Calgary to Ottawa praying for our nation's politicians. He says there's proof and power in prayer when we take the time to pray for our government leaders. Context is needed. It promotes a fantastic dialogue. We need to stop building idols and icons that we attribute too much power to. If God is the God of all creation, then that includes science. You're watching Context. Father, we do not bring our hands as those with no hope, but we call out to you, God, that you would bless this land. Well, I'm Rob Parker. I'm with a ministry called National House of Prayer, which is in Ottawa. We pray, God, for every candidate of each party, whatever they represent, and that you would see the upright. You'd bless those who stand for truth. We pray against backroom deals. Yeah. It's important that the church connects with government. So being concerned about social policy, to me, is part of loving our neighbor. If we have uh, policies that are being passed that, uh, that are not good for our nation or good for the people of the land, then the church really needs to speak up. So we want us just to pray right now for the government of Alberta. And possibly, if that government is changing, then we will pray for righteous leaders right now. I'm one who feels that a Christian should not be identified necessarily by a political stripe, that you're this party or that party. I believe we're supposed to pray for all government. Um, we're to uphold them. Um, it doesn't mean to say that I have to agree with government or I have to be a fan even of the government, but I do have a responsibility to pray for them. That I can see in scripture. If we operate out of a criticalness, we can come under more of a political spirit than we do out of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be walking in that place where, God, what are you saying? How can you help me to pray into that situation where righteousness will prevail? We need to help people come more civil and pray from a, uh, a mindset, God, show me how I should be voting. And, and rather than 
you know, just reading the media or, or, or hearing someone who's, who's barks the loudest that we make our, our mind up. Yeah. But we need to pray that God would show himself to these individuals and that God would give them opportunity to turn around and to walk in a righteous way that would bring a righteous government and that God would cause the accountability to come back where it needs to be between government and the people of the land. It does um, fire them up to continue to pray for government and their own member of parliament. And that's a good thing. We have seen answers to prayer, very, very strategic, important answers to prayer in Ottawa. I believe it can happen here in Alberta. And so that's why we do it. We know that prayer changes things. Well, religion has a greater benefit on public life than many people may realize, but there is a movement underway in Ottawa to examine charitable donations from being tax deductible for religion. So to talk about this is Reverend John Pellow from the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. Um, John, few of us realize that uh, the government has asked for a re-examination on the role of religion getting a tax benefit. Explain what's underway. Sure. It's, it's actually quite a bit broader than that. It's, it's, there have been a lot of requests from the charitable sector for the government to modernize the charitable regulation and the laws that we have. So the, the issue of uh, what constitutes charity is at play here, and advancing religion in, in particular is one where there is divided opinion. Okay, what's happened then? So advancing religion, this show would be about advancing yes. religion. We yes. hear from all different religions here, but, but advancing religion has a big question mark over it in front mm -hmm. of the Senate, and your job as a, as a, a representative of over 3,000 Christian charities in Canada is mm -hmm. to say, there are some benefits for the nation about religion. What, what did you discover? You've done some extensive uh, research work. I'm, I'm used to thinking in terms of the spiritual benefits that we get. And the idea of economic benefits and social benefits and things is a little bit foreign. So the, uh, the, to speak to people who are not of faith and to justify why we are worthy of tax support, you have to have a case that they will agree with, that they can understand. And so that's and you unpacked over 200 yes. studies on this, came up with yes. four categories. One, it just develops pro-social attitudes that are good for this nation. Yes. Uh, the people who attend church or a place of worship once a week have been shown in studies by Stats Canada going back 30 years and being repeated every three years that they are consistently and markedly different from the average Canadian and they have more pro-social values because they believe that the world does not center on them. They are very other-focused. Which is good for the nation. Absolutely. You, you also um, could track, there are health benefits, there are, uh, it, it's just simply, I think, better personal outcomes. Yes, many personal outcomes are improved, uh, particularly with, say, children uh, who make better long-term decisions, like they're thinking the long-term as opposed to the immediate term. So the education rates, completion of education is higher uh, in poverty-stricken areas. Uh, people are lifted out of poverty uh, because they're making better decisions. They are not as depressed. They are more hopeful. Uh, they have a more stable social network around them to support them, so they're not as alone. Mm -hmm. So they have, there's all kinds of this longevity. Uh, one study, uh, several studies have found that uh, uh, at the age of 20, someone who is uh, religiously committed 
has a life expectancy seven years longer than those who aren't. Okay. So these are all studies by academic level people and they're not all by Christians, they're by academic researchers. But there are some Canadians presenting to the Senate committee studying the charitable yes. sector saying, we don't want benefits for religion anymore. Yes. But you don't sense <clears throat> a, a big conspiracy in government. No, this isn't a big, no. it's just simply some needed housekeeping. There are, yes, for this committee, it's, it, it is necessary. There have been a lot of requests, you know, can you update uh, the regulation around, say, business activities and things and how, because donations are falling across the country and the charities are feeling the squeeze and so they're looking are there other ways that we can be raising raising support so this thing about religion is a small part of the overall uh, package of what they're looking at but we think this is the time for us to step forward and say not only are there the spiritual benefits that we believers get but there are benefits that the most uh, atheist person in your community they're still benefiting by having uh, a place of worship in their community. All right. Well, thank you for protecting the value of religion in the Senate hearings. And sure. uh, we'll stay tuned with Reverend John Pello from the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome, Anna. Thank you. Okay, well, from watching the Senate, Context is going to have a very interesting view watching the press gallery in Ottawa because Molly Thomas, <laughs> after five years with Context, you're taking a big step into the press gallery and becoming CTV's national correspondent. And you're part of a team. All part over the election there. as their election team. Congratulations. Thank you. Your Thank time you uh, these last five years with Context has been spectacular. From Susan and all of us, um, take a look at just some of the amazing work you have done here at Context. Watch this. I'm in District 11 where many of the Paris attacks took place and we've been talking to people all over the city and they were telling us about the days just after the attack. I've been around this arena. Every person I talk to speaks about your husband. Just so many beautiful things. There wasn't a single devotion that went by that he didn't tell them. I don't care if you play hockey. I don't really care what your job is. I don't care any of that. All I care is that you follow Jesus. We have 17 children. It's terrible. 17 children 17 lost their father? Children. around me. There's no animals, there are no people, there's nothing out here. And that tells us there's no food or water anywhere in this area. You felt it very, very close to home. It sounded like it was in my home. He just used my truck to steady himself and shoot at the guy. Just to give you an idea how serious the Bangladeshi government is about getting the Rohingya people home, they're literally building a road. It's called the Friendship Highway and it's going to connect Bangladesh all the way to Myanmar. Thank you. Very cold. Thank <laughs> you.
Thank you. Lorna, thank you for allowing me to bring the world to Canadians and to do the stories that I love. Five good years with us. We're really going to miss you, CTV. The National uh, Election Desk is going to be so blessed by your strength, your wisdom, your grace, your kindness. Everybody uh, send Molly a note and wish her well at yes. CTV's Election and Desk. And thank you, Susan, for that beautiful video. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Thank you, Molly. <laughs> Thanks, Lorna.